the subject for this evening's talk is the emptiness of perception. If we look and explore our day here, we sometimes have found ourselves commenting to ourselves and to each other in the small groups. Perhaps how different the day-to-day -day life might appear here compared with other things that we have been doing with our life prior to our coming here. And we experience, when we are here, quite um, understandably, a very noticeable difference between being here and being elsewhere. And sometimes for us the <coughs> contrast of being in a retreat, the perception of being in a retreat, and the perception of being out of a retreat is almost black and white in its differences, as it appears, in its diversity. And we take our assumption, our perception for granted. We reinforce the perception with the various interpretations that we have. And for those interpretations to take place, we have to make them about how we interpret here and how we interpret perhaps uh, life outside the gates, life in the West, or whatever. And all of this <coughs> gives us a real feeling of substance to our perception. It gives us the belief that the way we are perceiving is really the way it really, really is. And everything in the perception and the thoughts and the feelings and the ideas give further confirmation to it. And we couldn't imagine that it's just our way of perceiving. It seems so valid, so true, unto itself. When we are in the situation, because of the squeaky chair, I'm encouraged to get a cushion, I think for more squeaks. Um, when we are inside the situation here, the way we look at it, that's the perception, <coughs> also can appear quite an isolated position. You and I, we look at our lifestyles here during these days together, and we, as it were, draw the line with our mind. We draw the line between here and there again. And when we draw the line, the way we interpret, we can't see the connection. We can't see a link an inseparable link to the other side of the gate, the other side of the fence. We see I or us in here and them, those, that, out there. And this gains in the perception, in the way of looking, such authority we give to it 
You see, that's the truth. Everybody would agree with this as the truth. In the day actually here, and this applies to people who are, uh, as it were, new to this uh, form, and to others of you, it would appear also, when you walk out of here and you walk down the pathway, and you look at the, the timetable, and you see that the timetable seems to be full of something to do. <coughs> For from 5.30 in the morning till at least 9.30, and for the gladiators, um, <laughs> until 10.30. So it seems like the day is a very full day, it's a very long day, and more importantly, the fullness of the day and the length of the day and the order and structure of the day appears to be imposed upon us. That the teachers, of course, not only it would appear, impose it upon you, but since there is an agreement, actually and equally, could said, we impose it on ourselves. <coughs> and then this imposition upon us seems like that the form, that is the timetable, the change from one posture to another, the form really is intruding or impacting itself upon us. When there is this perception taking place, one will res must resist. And the resistant, in the fighting with, which sometimes, and I think understandably, occurs for us, it, it seems to accelerate the significance of the form, the significance of the timetable, of the structure. And it can appear in the perception as a very controlled situation. If somebody who was just looking over the fence, and there are plenty, <laughs> whether they're looking from the outside to inside or inside to outside, and both ways, one of the most popular spots in this monastery is on top of those uh, cells over there. So in the looking in this case, of people from the outside to the inside, when those people look at you, look at us, probably the thought will arise, what on earth are they doing? <laughs> and the kind of idiosyncratic tendencies of us, both Westerners and Indians uh, and Thais here, will only kind of confirm in those people's perception that they really are a strange lot. What on earth are they doing, walking so slowly, <laughs> looking at the dirt under their toenails? But it's not only those who are on the outside 
probably 99% insider having the same thought. <laughs> so in the way that we perceive and look at things, in the moment we do that, we think that's the reality. That's the truth. The perception is what tells us what the truth is. This notion, the perception, is what tells us what the truth is, is something which is to be looked at. Sometimes, <coughs> we think that our, as it were, individual part in all of this <coughs> is very significant. And sometimes we think it is very insignificant. We perceive one way, we perceive the other. When we think it's significant, we might be saying to ourselves, this spiritual work, this exploration, really relies upon myself. It's really a self-work, a self-activity, a self-exploration. That if I'm going to really find out something, I'm really going to discover, I'm going to realize, I'm going to go, go into the nature of things, it's going to require my consistent work and effort to be able to do it. This sometimes we exaggerate the significance the position of ourself. I can do this, I need to do this, I must do this, and I'll do it. Sometimes this shows itself in, I don't want to talk to anybody, <coughs> I don't want to go to any small group meetings, I don't want to go to any one-to-one -one, um, meetings, I really, I'd prefer really that there was nobody here, and I could much better get on with it by myself, except for the cooks. <coughs> They would be glad to hear this. <laughs> <coughs> and so sometimes we place in the perception an exaggerated value on our significance. It is an extremism. And sometimes we perceive it in another way. And we exaggerate our perception and we regard ourselves as very insignificant and the kind of critical negative judgments so sometimes in one extreme we are building up our persona and the significance and sometimes when we're catching ourselves we notice we're actually going into the field of insignificance and we swing sometimes, from one to another. And sometimes, <coughs> one is the compensation for the other. The teachings are the teachings of liberation, teachings of the middle way. One person commented, and heard it was a very lovely comment, When I take a step and my foot 
touches the ground, as that, she realizes the tremendous cooperation in the immediacy of things, in the universe of things, for that simple, mindful, conscious step to occur. That actually the lines in the mind which says, I am in here, and that's all out there, really isn't true. That there's a tremendous, obvious flow back and forth between life here and life on the other side of the gate, and it shows itself with the sun and the earth and the food and the people and the creatures and the nature and everything. And we forget this interconnectedness and we just see the separation in the perception. And we believe in this separation more than we believe and trust and realize the interconnection. We believe in the divisions, we believe in the separations, we believe in us and them out there, in there, in retreat, out of retreat. We believe in that perception more than we believe in the interconnectedness. What has happened to us? For anything to take place and, and uh, our world here is the world at work. It is life at work. It's the universe at work. It's it's small-scale universe in here with us. In order for an event to take place, it doesn't depend upon me, whoever the me is, but it doesn't depend on you as the individual. It depends on everything. <coughs> as the example, for the silence to take place, the stillnesses to take place, the structure to take place, the timetable to take place, <coughs> there has to be, and there is, an agreed perception, interconnected, everybody, for it to happen. Everybody is involved in making it happen, equally. If one person was in here, it, is, it has happened. One person is in here and they say to themselves, sitting isn't for me, dancing and singing is my style <laughs> of uh, medi meditation. The movement which takes place from one completely alters everything. Whole universe, small-scale universe, is altered by the one. So there's a perception, and in that perception, it holds it, which is mutually agreed, not necessarily appreciated, mutually agreed, holds everything together. Mutually agreed holds everything together. No value judgment on that. No, um, you know, of any of that. 
When we look at the day, let us take sitting and walking and the features of the day. You're engaged in walking. I am engaged in walking. When we are walking, from one position, and remember always trying to look at the position which we assume, from the position of the walking, it looks like I or you are actually doing something. Actually doing something. And it looks like at times that we are doing some walking or some sitting for a real reason. And so some of you have said in the small groups and the one-to-one, what am I going to get out of this? What's the prize? Prize, not surprise. We hope we m- we're more interested in surprises than prizes. But anyway, sometimes a person wants the prize. What, if I do this walking, what will it give me? What's going to come to me that I will get so that when I have got something from this, I can leave and go away with it and make it useful for my day-to-day life. And then I and others could say, well, if you do this, you will get from this, and then I could list lots of different things all of which might be appealing. And so that can encourage the perception to do something because of the promise it will give me. I'll get something back. If I'm, gonna, if I'm going to put in something into it, I want something for return. If I'm going to give my energy something, I want something back. Is this a marketplace? Is this a place of the market? See, sometimes you've got so used (coughs) to the idea that if I'm going to put my time in, I put my energy in, I do expect some remuneration, some reward, some and it's sometimes it's to our perception it's inconceivable to do something without hope without expectation I wonder if we've ever <coughs> dared risk this The risk, sometimes, one person pointed this out today, very important experience, valuable perception. And she said, what was occurring for me was, I really began to experience a sense, a state of futility. (coughs) Everything felt completely futile, pointless worthless 
So sometimes we've organized our perception to be doing something with the human expectation that it will give me something which I can hold on to and keep. And if this structure, if this form in my mind drops away, and it drops away, I'm going to be feeling that everything is futile, purposeless, pointless. Why do anything? And sometimes we would rather make our life extremely busy, extremely full of doing, than, than allow ourselves to be exposed to utter futility. And sometimes people will come and they will say, you know, I've been very successful in my life and I've done this and that, this and that, and then one day I just realized how I'm wasting my life, the futility of it, and the inner life was incredibly shaken up, and it came unexpectedly, and sometimes in quite a terrifying way for a person. And there seemed to be nowhere to turn in this world for comfort and for reassurance and for protection and safety. So let's see with our perceptions and what we've put into our perceptions There is risk involved if we're not going to make what we perceive the truth. We're just going to regard it as what we perceive. We're not going to, if we're not going to make it the reality, how things really are, then we're just going to regard it as a way of looking, a way of perceiving, a way of interpreting, a way of believing, a way of thinking, a way of describing. And we lose the assurance and the boldness to say to ourselves or to anyone else, this is the truth. And we are rather humbled by the realizations of the relativity of our perception. We are made humble by the realizations of the relativity of our perception. <coughs> so sometimes you're walking up and down rather slowly. And you're taking your, taking your steps. <coughs> and sometimes you will perceive you are doing something. It's okay to perceive that way. Sometimes you are perceiving that you're not doing anything. And it's okay to perceive that way. Sometimes you're perceiving that you are both doing something and simultaneously you're not doing anything. And sometimes you'll look at your walking 
And you will say, what can I say? I'm neither doing something nor not doing something. And you wouldn't understand that there's only those four ways of looking at it. You're either doing something, either you're not doing something, or you're both doing something and not doing something, or you're neither. There's no other way of perceiving it. And that applies to every perception, you or I, or any other human being on this earth in the whole history of humanity today, past and future, will ever have. Yes, no, both, neither. And if anyone comes up with a fifth, I'll wash their feet for the rest of their life. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> so, in the perception, when we look at the day, the rhythm of the day, and, it's, and it's every day life is an ordinary day, therefore it's a miracle. When we look, we look at the day, you know with your whole being as I know with mine that the appearance of the changes, the appearance, and it's not the truth, the impermanence of things, the appearance of change, the, the appearance of the impermanence of things, that perception, what it does help with, what it does contribute to, is showing to us how not only the perception of one of different things can vary, but your perception and my perception of anything can change significantly. Look how you have been perceiving some of the experiences, timetables, structures, forms that you and I have been engaged in here. Look how sharply different some of them have been. One can hardly believe sometimes with that one's own mind, one's whole mental state, could look in one way at something and be certainly convinced this is how it is. And not a minute later, let alone a day later, not a minute later, actually be looking and seeing it completely differently. It's, it's, it's extraordinary we are. Who is going to be so bold and so arrogant to say this perception is the true perception, the real perception, the reality, and the other one isn't? Who is going to be so bold and to say actually they're both real, and who is going to be so bold to say they're, they're neither real nor not real? Who is going to bring out another perception which decides what they are. So let's say the, the, the uh, perception of impermanence, doing, not doing, both, neither, and the perception, and seeing the changes pass through the day, in fact, bring humility like nothing else will bring humility. Who could be so conceited in life to make claims when the person has 
honestly faced her or his perceptions and knows that there is no inherent truth in them, that there is the emptiness of perception. And one knows that like one knows that the hand is on the end of one's arm. So I say with the uh, experiences which are unfold to us, all the experiences, and as some of you are recognizing already, the experiences matter. Of course they matter. But the way you perceive them matters too. Oh, the way you perceive matters so much. So I think we have the opportunity here in the very um, heart and the very essence of uh, uh, the Dharma, the, te the teachings, to realize the emptiness of form, the emptiness of perception. And sometimes this can be, and I do appreciate this for all, very kind of trying, very worrying in some cases, very difficult, disconcerting. Because if one says, one looks at that perception, and looks at the way you perceive and think and the, uh, refer to, and one says, I can't rely on anyone as being ultimately authentic, ultimately true, then how can I act in the world? How can I respond? How can I know what to rely upon if I see, well, it could be this, but equally it could be that, it could be both or neither. And sometimes one's being passes through deep discomfort in this. Because if it applies to you and I as a human being in our perception, no matter how much authority and uh, charge we give to what we say or write or communicate, if it applies to oneself, the emptiness of perception, then equally it must apply to others, whoever they are. But would we want to go on investing a certain perception and making that perception either inside of ourselves or outside of ourselves as having some ultimate authority? Would we want to do that? I would not. I'd rather live with the discomfort than with deception. And yet, wondrously, in the inexplicable nature of things, though one can't believe in the truth of perceptions, though one may experience in that exploration some discomfort and uncertainty about how to act in this world, 
that somehow, in all of this penetrative awareness, somehow it's joyful and liberating. What the relationship is, I am spellbound. I have no idea. Somehow, it's not a problem. It's actually beautifully freeing. And one has, and as the Buddha said, fabulous, fabulously, he said, when he was asked about this exploration and the release that it brings from the imprisonment to one's perceptional views, he was, he, he was asked for an analogy. What's an analogy of what you mean, what you're saying? And, in that, and he gave three analogies. He said, it is like a person who has been in hospital and spent a long time in hospital and has come out of that situation. <coughs> Being in here can be a bit like a hospital. I wouldn't deny for a moment. And one has come out of that situation. And the, the experience of release from it, from those perceptions and from the being caught up, the experience of that, of coming out after that, all that time, like about ten days, coming out <laughs> is one of incredible relief and a deep contentment and peace comes that it's finished. It's like a person, he says, who has been in debt for a long time and has been tied to this debt, tied to the perceptions, tied to, the, to this. And then the day comes and that debt is over. It's, it's finished. And the person knows that they will never go back into that debt again. Feeling of relief. It's like a person who has been in prison and the person, he says, comes out of <coughs> prison. And in the emergence out of that prison, there's a release, there's a freedom. So you see, though it's extraordinarily challenging to examine and to look into perceptions, to look into the constructions of them, to look into the mutual cooperation for anything to exist, and to go through, some, for some people, a difficult period with this. Yet out of this can flower liberation, flower immense release. And the action happens of itself. It's mystical. It would seem, on the face of it, if I, just, if I don't buy into what I perceive to be doing or not doing or both or neither, or neither. if I don't buy into that my goodness what am I going to do but something in the universe something in the nature of things something is wondrously freeing the dream is over emptiness of perceptions is realized part of the teachings are clear and as obvious as colour to a person with good eyesight. May all beings see into the nature of things. 
male beings inquire into perception. Male beings discover immense relief. Let's have our couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please?